Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGowan, and today I'm joined by Maya Lau. Maya is the host of Other People's Pockets, a podcast that takes salary transparency to a whole new level. Throughout the show, Maya asks people from all walks of life to get radically transparent about their personal finances in order to learn more about who they are and what makes them tick. Luckily for us, Maya is sharing some of the surprising money behaviors that she's noticed since starting the show, how she made a career pivot from a newspaper, and her advice on how you can use radical money transparency to your own benefit. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Do you want to start a company but have no idea where to begin? Or do you have dreams of becoming an influencer? Well, the Life with Mariana podcast is here to help. I'm Mariana Hewitt, a Los Angeles-based influencer and co-founder of the Clean Skincare line, Summer Fridays. Each Tuesday, I'm talking to my friends from business owners, wellness experts, and more to share all of their best advice for you to live your best life. Make sure to tune in and subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what's coming up each week so you don't miss an episode. Well, hi, Maya. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So let's start with your background and why you wanted to start Other People's Pockets, the podcast. Yeah, well, my background is as a journalist. I was a newspaper reporter for several years and uh, personal finance and money had always been something I was interested in. But I think I thought of it like on the side, like how you should think about what you eat or whatever, but it's not something I want to focus on. And over time, I, you know, going into journalism, I always knew that it wasn't a big money maker. I wasn't doing it for the money. And then as I got older, not that I'm old, but you know, as I had a kid and sort of started life got to, more expensive. <laughs> well, life got more expensive. And I started to think about the future and what that really looked like for me. And I started to get really frustrated about money and about the income ceiling in newspapers and in how hard it was to get a raise. I, I asked for raises many times and didn't get them and then would get them like years later and stuff like that. So it just started to be like, wait a second, like, what is my life going to look like if I keep on this path? And I started to, as I 
I pondered a big career shift, which at first was very hard for me, the letting go of the identity of being a newspaper reporter. That was like, I couldn't even imagine. But I started to ask people who'd left journalism and who went into all different kinds of fields, things you wouldn't even think of. A lot of people think of going into PR, but I wasn't interested in that. But I interviewed a lot of people and I always asked them, how much money do you make in your new career? And it was always kind of the most fun thing to hear about because, you know, it's just the real deal. And uh, sometimes it was surprising. And I often was like pleasantly surprised, like, oh, good to know that, you know, you're (laughs) making like a lot better money than you were in newspapers. So um, I started to just feel like, you know, I wish I could just have these conversations every day. And as I was getting more into personal finance, I was listening to a lot of personal finance podcasts, but I kind of realized that a lot of them don't talk about the actual dollar amounts. They talk about money, around money. Uh, they'll talk about a lot of money or not making money. And you're never sure what does that mean? Or they'll say, yeah. oh, my house was really expensive or or like percentages, you know, and you're like, I don't know what 20 percent is because I don't know where we're starting. Right. From. Yeah. And it yeah. just really annoyed me, I think, maybe as a reporter, but also as a nosy person and someone who tends to be very direct and very literal. I'm just like, what is the number? Like, let's not dance around this. So I just thought, you know, I really would love to have a podcast where I ask people just literally how much money do you make? And yeah. and also talk about other aspects of their life. Like, it's not just a sort of flat data point, like name, age, money. Okay, moving on. It's like, right. who are you? And like, how did you yeah. get there? And um, or like, did you start with family money or yeah, are you self-made? Did yeah. you, were you part of a startup early on? Yeah. There's always like the context of it matters, right? Yeah. And even if you're making this money this year, next yeah. year, is it, you know, going to be up and down? Like, I think that there's just so much we can learn from people's individual money stories. And so that's kind of the idea for it. So now I get to do that, which is really fun. I love it. You're getting, you're like a professional nosy person who's getting paid to be. Yeah. It's like a perfect (laughs) career shift. You could, you know, what's cool about this story too, is like, if you have thought about your career transition, like you never would have put that on the board because it's not like a job title that you would, you know, think of sort of thing. But now you're a podcaster, I guess, in the more formal sense, but Mm -hmm. in the, you know, in the fun sense. So I love that. I mean, this is like a good career transition story too. Yeah. I also think it's great because I can't tell you how many times you've been in like a nice neighborhood. I feel like this happens, especially when you're like looking at these like gorgeous homes and you're like, what do these people do for a living? Like that is, I I live near, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I live near an area where you can like walk on the strand, which is like people's like beach houses. Right. And I can't even tell you how many times I've walked by people like looking at a house and be like, I wonder what they do for a living. Like this is a universal oh, it's so funny thing. because that was like another idea that I had either as like an offshoot of the show or even another show. And it would be called Who the Fuck Lives in That House? Yeah, and you would I pick that. like certain houses <laughs> or you would have listeners send in like there's this house in my neighborhood yeah. and we wouldn't necessarily have to to identify like exact, you know, like, yeah, depending on people's privacy levels, but we could just be like, I'm just going to say that there's this house in Boston that's blue and like has this crazy whatever. And so we knocked on the door and like got these people to tell us about their lives. And yeah, exactly. I mean, I think like you always peer inside, especially when you can see people like the lights on and people are in there and you're just like, 
Yeah. What? Like how does how? that all come together? Yeah. And, and I really think of, I think of my podcast a little bit like Zillow in the sense of like, yeah. we all are obsessed with Zillow. We like to look at the actual interiors of other people's houses. When we have a friend and we find out where they live, we like look it up on Zillow to see how much it's worth. I'm like, oh, what does the bathroom <laughs> actually look like? Right. And so I think in the same way, we're curious about other people's finances. Like, let's actually yes. look inside. Like, what are the mistakes they've made? What are the, oh, they make this much money, but they actually have a ton of debt. Oh, okay. Like, yes. it just, it rounds out the picture not to judge people, but to be curious and to be like, okay, you know, this is the reality instead of us all just living in darkness and silence and feeling like we can't talk about it. I'm curious when you were having these career transition conversations with people. So you're trying to get out of journalism. This is before you started the podcast and you would ask people how much they make. Mm -hmm. I think that's so good, but I'm curious, what was their reaction? Like, were they open to sharing that number or were most people sort of like, Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, (laughs) I think it depended. Some people like maybe on your relationship with them. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, I didn't have a relationship with them. It was like, hi, I'm on LinkedIn. I am. Sometimes that makes it easier, though, to share right. that information, too. They're yeah. like, I don't know who you are. Yeah, it depends. Some people were open. Some people were like, let me give you a range or let me <laughs> just like, I'll just say that my bonus, even just my bonus is more than what I ever made in journal or like they would say stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, I think it like if I let them know, like I'm asking this because I'm really doing this personal reporting project for myself and it's. I'm really just trying to find my way and and fi- figure out like what is this world out there? What is available to me? What what should I be thinking about? So, yeah. you know, if you're not comfortable sharing, I totally understand, but it, it's just really helpful for me cuz part of what I'm trying to do is make more money. And so I yeah, it's just really helpful for me to learn like the reality. And so Sometimes with that, people would would share or ask me not to repeat it or or yeah, but there there's other people that are like, I'll just tell you, you know. Yeah. So it's kind yeah. of fun to see what people's reaction will be. Well, like I said, I love that because I think it's a good it's good inspiration for anyone who's thinking about making a career pivot, wants to have those informational interviews, maybe bored in their current job and just wants to start exploring. It's like it's okay to ask that question. And in fact, sometimes it's much more comfortable when you are a stranger to somebody. So yeah, you all have permission. Please don't be afraid. Okay. So let's get back to you being nosy about people's uh, yeah. finances. What have been some of the big takeaways as we, I mean, your show, you interview a whole variety of people, but like what have been some of the takeaways of the people who really have it? Like person, I, there's the saying of like, you know, people who really have it, don't feel the need to show it. Like there's mm. these like stereotypical phrases that you've heard your whole mm-hmm. life, like keeping up the Joneses, like right. that person who has to show it is really struggling. So like, what, what have you actually found to be true when you think about those common phrases or stereotypes really? Yeah. I mean, I do think that, I mean, one thing is kind of, I don't know if this is even a phrase, but like money begets money in the sense of like I talked to this financial therapist and I asked her, you know, like basically she's a what many people might think of as a a normal psychologist, like therapist, but she focuses on money issues. And so that's so amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Her name is Barry. This country needs that. (laughs) Yeah. The episode's actually not out yet, but she I was like, do financial therapists make more than normal therapists? And she was like, I think they probably do. Because I think when you're helping people with their money, it's similar to if you're a business coach, like versus a, another kind of coach, 
or like on the other end of a spectrum, like a social worker, which you could you could construe as being a kind of coach or like you're helping someone. Right. But when you're helping someone with their business or with their money, you get paid more yeah. because you're going to help that person make more money. And so there's this just weird thing when you're in the money space, you can make more money, which like I don't feel great about because I also feel like social workers should make more money, you know, but there's that. And then like, you know, I think that the people who I've spoken to who have their own business of some sort, it is a way to unlock more money opportunities. It just is. I mean, having a traditional job is is great and there's nothing wrong with it, especially if you're happy in that. But yeah, there is something about having your own business and not to say everyone should go out and start their own business because you do need... <laughs> there are also a lot of small businesses that fail, but like, I think that plus finding your niche, like finding a niche that is pretty specific. Like I talked to a financial dominatrix who has a whole practice just berating people online and then they send her money because their kink is giving someone their money, giving a hot woman <laughs> online their money. There's no sexual contact. There's no sex that happens. And that's a niche. And like, and she even within FinDom, within financial domination has created her whole like identity and so, yeah, it's kind of finding that like thing that only you can do that seems so specific. And yet that can like open up more opportunity for yourself. So the people you've interviewed who have the highest salaries or like highest income they're they've been business owners. They've worked for themselves. Yes. Well, there's one person, Cord Jefferson, who is a Hollywood writer. He's written on Succession and Watchmen and stuff that you may have seen so he, I guess you would, what would you call him? I think that he's like his own person, but he like has this big multi-million dollar deal with Warner Brothers. Mm. I don't know if he's considered an employee for them, but yeah. Yeah. But, but other than, mm -hmm. yeah, probably other than that. Yeah. I would say it's solo biz owners pretty much that. Yeah. Wow. And not exclusively, but it just, it gives you more like flexibility and like, more range to kind of lean into who you are versus my identity and my worth is attached to being part of this other brand, this big company, and I have to go along with what they want. I mean, that's sort of this like magical combination, right? Of like, I get to kind of have my cake and eat it too. Like I'm not a hundred percent the freelancer taking all the risk over here or the entrepreneur who's like full risk, but I'm also not like in the full corporate, you know, hamster wheel of, of, you know, the office politics and this and that. So, I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's a good spot if you can get it. I'm sure yeah. there's obviously few careers out there. I I'm really curious to the financial therapist. I think that's interesting because I'm sure you've started to uncover this as well. People have weird things about money and mm -hmm. it starts really early in life. Yep. Like, you know, they spend it all. They don't spend any of it. Like there's the extremes. What are you learning about that? I mean, I totally make sense why there's like financial therapists. I, at first when you said it too, I thought, oh, this is a woman who works with people who have like their, their thing is their hang up is that they need help with money, not necessarily like the actual like management of their money, but sort of their like emotions around money. Oh yeah. And it definitely is. It is that, but then it's also like the, some of the practical stuff. Yeah, I think that a lot of us grow up with a feeling of, first of all, you're not supposed to talk about money, or if you do only with like super, super close people, people you're very comfortable with, that it can divide people, that it's a little bit like, 
you know, if you saw suddenly everybody at your workplace with their bathing suit on, it's just like, too, <laughs> yeah. it's like TMI. It's just like, it's like we didn't need to know that. And then there's a lot of shame around not having enough or that like you, like, I think that I felt this for sure. And this was like a driver of the early days, even before I started the podcast of just like, what did I miss? Like, yeah. why? why am I, why do I feel like this doesn't add up for me? Why do I feel like I can't afford certain things? And like, you know, so there's this message out there that like, if you don't make enough money, like you are too stupid to not figure it out. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Or I would say also the other thing I feel like happens is like, you look around you're like, what am I doing wrong? Because like, you know, or maybe your household does have like a decent household income and you're like, how are we not able to like do what they're doing. Like how do yeah. they afford to do what they're doing? Like there's no way they make more. Like there there is this feeling of sort of like like somehow a bus left the station, you were not even told where the station was. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, and I mean I think that that it goes to the larger forces in our economy that we need to think about of like the squeezing of the middle class and how like yeah, it is crazy that you can have a dual income household with people making decent incomes. And it for not to not feel like enough or you can't afford a house comfortably or whatever. Like that is a problem that is not your fault, but it does feel like it's your fault. So that's something that comes up a lot. And then, yeah, just feeling kind of there's sometimes this like thing that people can't put their finger on. Like they don't know what it is that like is making them feel weird talking about money. And I often ask people like, tell me about your feelings. Like, tell me about what feels weird about this. So, yeah. And, and I think it it does come down to like when you when you don't have practice talking about a certain topic, it really is almost like speaking a different language. Like if you just don't have practice speaking Japanese, even if you know a few words, it just it's like weird to get the words out because it's just not something you do every day. Yeah. What have been some of the takeaways about kind of what you're saying about financial literacy? Like, have you had some really specific tangible takeaways where you're like, if we had more financial literacy or like training, you know, this thing wouldn't happen or people would be more okay with salary transparency. Or, you know, I think also about the fact that like a lot of people use money to fill certain voids. And it's like, mm -hmm. how do you recognize when you're using your money to fill a void versus using the money to do something you actually enjoy? Like there's not, there's not a lot of language or like tools, especially for adults, hopefully the kids now will maybe get some of that, but like, there aren't a lot of tools of, about that. That's, you know, so like, where do, where do we go from there? So we don't just continue a cycle of this quote unquote, keeping up with the Joneses feeling. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's hard. I think I, my hope is that it, when people talk more openly about this, they'll realize like the reality of other people's situation and that they're not so alone. Like, like, I think I mentioned, like, you know, there's some super high earners, but then they'll have, a lot of debt too. And, and like, just to realize that that is part of the equation, but wait, sorry, your question was like, how do we break away from like using money to fill a void? Well, no, just more yeah. about, I mean, I wish we, <laughs> I wish we could answer that. I don't know if we'll be able to answer that. Um, but I, I was thinking more about like financial literacy, like yes. what, what do we need on the, like, what are some tangible things that we could do for us listening related to financial literacy that might help us with this, especially knowing that like, we're not going to make those feelings probably go away. You can't just 
turn it on and off of like that comparison feeling or Mm -hmm. that feeling of like, what am I doing wrong? You know? Yeah. Well, I think that in terms of like educating yourself, like in terms of getting a raise, for example, I think you need to do a lot of research, which often involves actually talking to real live human beings and whether that's people on LinkedIn, whether that's people at your job. You should definitely be talking to the white men who have either had your job in the past or have it now. Don't just talk to other people that look, if if you're a woman, say, that look exactly like you because you want to find out what the white men are being paid, right? And often it's easy to talk to maybe someone who's left your job, who's not at your organization, because then they don't have a stake as much. They don't care. They're they're fine talking about it. But really, like, put together a dossier where, like, I've talked to five people or 10 people. Like, I know what I should be getting paid. I know what's out there. It could even be people at other organizations, but that do similar work to what you do. And knowing, like, it's not about going on Glassdoor, although it that's an okay resource, but there's, I have just noticed on Glassdoor, there's a lot of inaccurate information. And when you think about where they're getting their information, it's people submitting it to them. So who's submitting yeah. stuff to Glassdoor? It might tend to be people who are not getting paid enough, who are frustrated with their pay, they're interested in going on Glassdoor. It's not people who are like, I'm killing it. Life yeah. is good. I want to go on Glassdoor. Like they're not getting the data. So like, yeah, in in journalism reporting, it's that it's that like actual human intelligence. It's not uh, internet research often. So like, I think that's a big thing. Is like you'd be surprised if you actually talk to people. And then I think part of the fin- like you talked about like how to like deal with the hurt feelings or the the awkwardness about hearing other people's numbers like I think just like the more you do it the more you have these conversations with friends again I try to like turn a curious eye toward things that make me feel anxious and of course I always have judgments I always have reactions of like oh my god this person makes so much money but like if there's a way for you to like be like, huh, like, let's just be curious about that. That's interesting. I did not know that you could make that much money in this field instead of feeling like, oh, this person is just ridiculous. What, you know, like, instead of like stopping the conversation there, just be like, honestly, like, it's kind of interesting to to hear all these data points. And the more you can do that in your own life, I think that that contributes to your own like salary literacy and understanding like, this is what's out there. And then I'm sure you're also you're also wondering about like just personal finance literacy. I don't know if that's what you're getting at too. But well, I think to just build off of your last yeah. point, which I think is really cool, is I was thinking too, for someone who is feeling right now like, let's just use even numbers of like, I make fifty thousand. There's no way I will ever be a person who has a job that pays me two hundred and fifty thousand. Like one having some optimism and approaching that with curiosity, but like what would be some tips for somebody who, I mean, it kind of sounds like that's sort of the, the journey you went on. So maybe we could provide some tips because I think there are a lot of people who might be self limiting themselves or just assume like that's too big of a jump, you know, like you must have to be, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So give us your tips. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have made, I think the least amount I made was like $38,000 a year. And then I've made 40, I've made 50, I've made 100,000 and more. And yeah, I think so. Someone who's like in a job making 50K and is like, there's no way I'll ever make really that much more. 
I would say like there's a few things. Like one is there is the reality of your industry. And so it could be that you're in an industry like newspapers, for example, where, yeah, honestly, there is kind of a ceiling aside from some crazy superstars who like maybe they also have a contract on TV and so they're making TV money or whatever. They write books and they've written, you know, stuff that's been made into movies. Like, yes, there are unicorns, but yes, you have to be realistic about like, is my industry one in which it is realistic for me to make more money? Yes or no. And it does suck to feel like I might have to leave my industry. But, you know, and I'm not saying, well, yeah, you're going to have to. But I think just some reality check on on that is important. And then also realizing like there are other things, like there are plenty of people who, and people I've interviewed who like started a side hustle, which obviously is easier when you're younger and maybe have fewer responsibilities, but started a side hustle that did turn into a big business. And then, you know, also thinking about like, I think it's important. I'm really interested in people who've made big pivots in their careers and have pivoted to something like, God, no one would have ever thought that that's even a thing. And so to realize that your job or your skills, whatever you're passionate about, you know, even say like you are a public school teacher or something like those skills and what you get out of teaching, what you like about it right now, you're in whatever job and that's great. But it is possible that you can use those skills and get that same feeling you get in something else that maybe makes more money. There are a lot of people who remix their skills. And I think it's also like I had a lot of complicated feelings about leaving newspapering because it was like, I mean, if anything, we need more journalists in the world. We don't need, you know, more people to leave the industry. But I also thought about like, I know a lot of public defenders and that's also a job that is like high burnout rate. It tends to be something, tends to be something people do when they're younger. There are some people who are lifers in that position, but it's really common to be a public defender and do that for a few years and then move on to like a whole host of other things, including maybe corporate law or being a judge mm-hmm. or whatever. And like, I don't know, I can't speak for that profession, but my sense is there's like a, an acceptance around like, yeah, like you can't do this job forever. So I think it's okay to have certain things where you do it for a certain amount of time and like you're not a horrible person for leaving it and pivoting to something else. So I think I would just say that like just really try to keep an open mind and talk to people who've left or talk to people who seem to have like remixed their skills and you'll be surprised at how like there could be other opportunities out there for you. But yes, it might take a leap. It might take not just like staying on this like path that is more known. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, listen to other people's pockets and then you can hear <laughs> more of the context about how people are like what they're making, but then like how they made that money or what, you know, the back more of the background of it that you're not going to get maybe in your like 20 minute informational yeah. interview conversation. Sure. Yeah. I just want to wrap up by saying, you know, what's one thing you've been surprised by having these conversations on other people's pockets, like maybe a misconception you went in with that you're being proven wrong about (laughs) anything that's Mm -hmm. been a shocker. Yeah, something that's been surprising. And we talk about this on one of the episodes where we take a step back and sort of unpack some of the things we're learning about money. One thing is it's happened a few times where we pre-screen people to come on the show. You know, we tell them this is what the show's about. The heart of the show is finding out what people make 
are you in or are you out? Like, is this a good fit or not? So there, you know, obviously the people coming on know what it's about. They're generally okay sharing their numbers, but then sometimes they're totally okay with sharing all these different aspects of their personal finances, but not what socioeconomic class they consider themselves a part of. And that is something I found really interesting because in some ways I would think like your class is just like, it's just like some label, like it's so broad, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Like it's not even that specific to you, you know, but we talked to this expert about that and she was just pointing out like, you know, class is so much more than finances. You know, there's, you could be in one class spiritually, but another class financially, or you may have come from a working class background, but now you're upper middle class and you actually just don't identify as upper middle class. Working class people, that's your roots. Those are your people. Those are your values. Like it's actually really important to you to hold on to that identity. And so you feel like if you say upper middle class, like people just have an assumption about what that means and, you know, they'll dismiss you or So that has been really interesting that like that is kind of a touchy. I think it's touchy because maybe it is such a big identifier that like, yeah, even when I say that, like I I was actually interviewed for the show. It has not come out yet, but there's going to be an episode on my personal finances. And I was asked about, you know, my upbringing. And I said, I think I was upper middle class. Uh, in part because my I remember my mom saying that at one point and I just didn't question it and I've never questioned it. I don't even know if she's correct. Maybe we were <laughs> middle class. Like, I don't know. But even that, like it, that lands on some people's ears a certain way. And right. everyone wants to say they're middle class. Everyone, either upper middle class or if, like, I don't know, not maybe not ever, but most people want to be like, I'm mid- solidly middle class. You know, that's like the acceptable like. Well, maybe there's this feeling of like, if I say I'm upper middle class, can I hold on to it? You know, maybe there's this feeling for some people where they're like, I'm only some years I am, and some years I'm not. Totally. And there's a ton of like treading water that you do that my that my family did. Like my mom, my parents got divorced, and at one point my mom had her own business and was not making a lot of money. Was making like twelve thousand dollars a year. And was putting everything on credit cards. And like we yeah. didn't, we we barely held on to our house. And there's this more this treading water you do. You're like, oh, you, I've got to keep this up. Like yeah. now it's even harder to keep this all up because, you know, yeah. it costs so well, much. So li- lifestyle creep is a real thing where like, the as you said, money begets money. It's like the more money you make, the more money you spend. And people just get in this like, I mean, golden handcuffs like this. These are not new concepts. They've been around for a while, but that is really interesting that people are sort of willing to share how much the salary, but maybe less the class because there's so much more that goes into that. Mm -hmm. And also I kind of understand because there is a lot of stereotyping that goes around it. Like it feels like a much better story to be the rags to riches kind of vibe than the like riches to riches vibe, you know? So (laughs) like, you know, you, especially depending on like, if you're relying on that commonality with somebody else or having to identify with that, that's is, but the thing is, even when it's like, quote unquote, riches to rags, there's still like rags to riches. There's still like, a, no, don't think of me as riches. Like, yeah, totally. like a, I still kind of want to be. I'm seen. still humble. Yeah, I'm still. Yeah, I don't want my yeah. friends from home to hear this and hate me. Like, right. There's just still this like 
So, I mean, some people are like, and I made it like whatever, but there's other people that are like, I feel awkward about my situation, yeah. even though I'm doing well. I just like, I don't want well, people the stereotype to think of me a is way. that money changes you, right? Yeah. Like if you make a lot of money, it changes who you are. And maybe some people don't want that to be true. I also think there's so many, like think of like the movies and the documentaries of these people who get rich and then bad stuff happens or crazy yeah. stuff happens or like you like forget who you are and your br- upbringing and your values. And so I can understand also a little bit wanting to stay away from it because it's like that does make the good Hollywood TV. So like when you think of that uh, stereotype, you're like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want that to be me. You know, I don't want to be And I think them. that people want to be relatable. Yes. Yeah, totally. Like I think people's deepest desire on some level is to be relatable and to be liked and to be like, oh yeah, you're cool. Like you're one of us. And like, it's like the thing is with money, there's no way you can be one of us with everyone. Like right. everyone makes like a different amount. And so some people are going to be like, oh, you're relatable. Some people are like, oh, you know, you make so much money. And so, yeah, it's just this weird thing. Well, it's interesting how people want to be relatable no matter it's like the people pleasing piece of us. Like I want to be relatable no matter who I'm talking to, whether I'm talking to the person who's like super wealthy, I want to have, I want to make sure they know like I'm worth talking to, but then the person who is maybe less, they're like, but I want to be relatable to you as well. It's, um, it's an interesting dynamic that that's really interesting. And, um, I mean, clearly the feelings around money is not just what's in your bank account. It's also like a worth a representation to your point, it would be so fun if people like walked around with this like imaginary number up on their head that was like, here's, here's my net worth. You know what I mean? And, but also people would hate it because it, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. Like we're not, and we shouldn't only be our numbers too. Exactly. So. We're trying and like us as a society, I think <laughs> we are trying very hard to not have our worth connected to like our job titles, our, the number in our bank account. And it's like, it's this, it's just like, big backpedal against like capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Know? So yeah. this is complicated stuff for a lot of uh, very important mm-hmm. reasons. Well, thank you for doing the important work of getting nosy on other people's pockets and talking to them. Um, I'll link to the show, obviously in the show notes and, but yeah, any, anywhere else where people can find you and, and follow you and maybe set up an informational interview and ask you how much you make. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fine. I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere with out the informational interviews that I have done with other people. So yeah, Other People's Pockets is available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you if you like us, please consider leaving a review. And I am on Twitter at Maya Lau, M-A-Y-A-L-A-U, and on TikTok and Instagram at It's Maya Money. And yeah, I would love for people to get in touch and let me know what you think of the show. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Please do us the huge favor of rating and reviewing our show. And if you're looking for advice on how to get started with informational interviews, when you're thinking about that career pivot, check out our comprehensive guide in the show notes. Lastly, don't forget that we actually do have our own salary database that you can access totally for free. It's anonymous and will give you access to over 70,000 real salaries. We link to the salary project also in the show notes. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.